Professor Ian Lee, thank you for joining me. My pleasure, my great pleasure. So now keeping in mind, we're speaking just the week before Christmas, and with the speed of change this year, anything could happen in the next week. But looking back over 2018, there certainly were some extraordinary developments. Let's start with the new NAFTA agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement, now known by a variety of names, of course, depending on your country of origin. But Donald Trump has renamed it the USMCA, U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, How can we call this free trade when he imposed steel tariffs by going way out on a limb invoking security concerns? Uh, Well, you're absolutely right. It was the most uh, peculiar uh, free trade agreement I've studied uh, in my time as a uh, professor uh, because, uh, uh, and there have been a very significant number of trade agreements in the last 40, 50 years, really since the end of the first of the Second World War, when the GATT was established after World War II, the General Agreement on Trades and Tariffs, that evolved over time into the WTO, the World Trade Organization, which at the same time is a trade treaty. It's the WTO treaty as well. And then, of course, all the regional treaties. And the purpose of every one of these treaties is not to increase barriers, it is to decrease barriers to trade, especially tariffs. And so we had this uh, a very unusual, anomalous situation where a, a new trade agreement between the United States, Canada, and Mexico was negotiated, but it reduced the the. Uh, the, 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 it increased, excuse me, increased the barriers uh, that were uh, that existed from the compared to the old treaty, and he imposed tariffs on a, on a number of industries, which is the exact opposite of of uh, trade and trade liberalization over the past seventy or so years since the end of the Second World War. So it was most most unusual uh, because it was so contrary to what we have the world has been doing. Um, over that last 70-odd years or so. So the trade talks were, of course, a major story all through the summer months, but it seems to pale now, of course, compared to the geopolitical situation Canada is in, triangulated as we are between the U.S. and China, over the detention of the Huawei executive Memoir Zhu. What do you foresee? Um, this is my biggest uh, fear for 2019, um, the, and that's this emerging uh, trade war uh, between um, China and the United States. I, I do want to immediately uh, add that I am not suggesting, I do not believe it's going to uh, degenerate into a hot war of guns, bullets, bombs, that sort of thing. I don't believe that. Uh, for the, some, it's not because I'm some kind of an idealist utopian. It's because both countries are so deeply implicated in the other country's economy that it is in the it is completely against the self-interest of China or the self-interest of the United States to get into a hot war. I mean, to put it really sort of crassly in a colorful way, and I do this with my students. You don't, you know, getting into a hot war, you're not you're going to go and kill your customers, and that's not good business practice. So I'm being a little bit using a little bit of dark humor, but uh, that's why I don't believe it'll degenerate into a hot war. Having said that, a a, a trade war. It will be potentially devastating to the world economy, A, because they are the two largest economies in the world, the U.S. with 20 trillion GDP expressed in U.S. dollars. China's economy is 12 trillion, or greater than 12 trillion expressed in U.S. dollars. The two countries together are over 40% of the world's GDP, 200 countries in the world, two of them account for the lion's share, and a trade war would slow down trade, slow down business, and uh, 
possibly tip a number of countries into a recession. And that's not a good thing at all. So uh, unless they do come up with an agreement uh, by March, uh, as uh, which is the deadline suggested or set out by President Trump, um, I think it could uh, we could be very realistically be in a in a recession by sometime uh, uh, towards the end of 2019. And then, of course, there's Saudi Arabia and the now almost forgotten recall of the its 15,000 students from schools here in Canada following yeah. a tweet condemning their human rights record last August, all while the sales of Canadian light-armored vehicles continue. What's the next step? This is uh, showing, uh, or the government is, in my view, uh, the the government in Ottawa, the the Trudeau government, is learning on the job uh, because uh, international diplomacy is very uh, complex. It's very fraught with difficulty, and um, and it. And when we're dealing with developing countries, non-Western countries that are authoritarian, they're not rule of law, and I'm talking about countries like Saudi Arabia and China and Russia, um, we run up against a very serious issue. On the one hand, we want to diversify our trade. We want to do trade with other countries other than the United States. On the other hand, we're dealing with countries that often engage or sometimes engage in profoundly odious practices, uh, practices that are just completely unacceptable to the values of Canada. And then we are going to have to deal with how do we address this? Do we simply say, look, we're not going to deal with any country in the world which is not democratic rule of law, which is roughly half the countries of the world? Or do we develop a more nuanced trade policy that says, look, we'll trade uh, agricultural products, food products, natural resource products, but we won't trade military-type products. And I think we are, as I said, the government in Ottawa is learning on the job. They're still evolving their policy, and it would appear, based on the comments, uh, public comments of Prime Minister Trudeau, uh, in saying that they want to get out of this contract, that they may evolve to something along the lines of they will let this contract stand because it's already been signed, but we they will announce a new policy which will prohibit uh, arms sales of any kind, any kind of military uh, technology or equipment to countries that uh, don't meet uh, some predefined uh, threshold or standard. I think that that's the way we're going to go. In other words, we'll have agreements that allow and permit and, uh, and encourage the export of agricultural products seafood products, timber products, natural resource products, but not anything that is associated with um, military. Certainly limits the uh, market, doesn't it? Yes. It will certainly limit the market, uh, but that's the uh, price I think we're going to end up, uh, that's the price we're going to impose on ourselves because we're going to, you know, we can't, I don't think we can uh, refuse to, uh, to deal with half the world. That was analogous to the policy uh, before 1971 with China and the United States and Canada and other countries simply had no relationship whatsoever and we pretended that, that they weren't there. We refused to ne- discuss, uh, negotiate with them or have any relationship. And then we realized because of Henry Kissinger's great work at the time uh, and and public convincing and explanation of the benefits of a relationship, that that was ended and we developed relations with China, even though it wasn't uh, democratic, it wasn't rule of law, and and so we evolved from there. I I think we're going to have to develop a nuanced uh, relationship going forward, as I said, that permits some trade, but not all trade. 
And lastly, Professor Lee, here at home, there have been major blows, of course, to the Canadian economy. The bottomed-out oil prices rocking Alberta, the GM auto plant closure near Toronto, and uncooperative provincial premiers. And all of this as a federal election looms in 2019. What do you think Justin Trudeau's chances for re-election are? Um, well, notwithstanding the headwinds and the, the storm clouds uh, gathering on the horizon, I still think that it's more probable that he will be elected than that he will be defeated in October of 2019. I immediately qualify that prediction, though, by noting that if the economy is in a recession in 2019, as an increasing number of analysts are suggesting in the U.S. and Canada, then all bets are off because the record of prime ministers, incumbent prime ministers and incumbent presidents can campaigning an election is, is pretty uh, uh, negative. Uh, President George H.W. Bush lost re-election to Bill Clinton because he was in the middle of a, of a recession, and there's similar instances in Canada. But setting aside that instance, um, that uh, example, uh, nonetheless, even though I'm suggesting he'll probably be re-elected, uh, Mr. Trudeau, Prime Minister Trudeau is facing some very serious issues and, uh, in, in 2019. The, in Alberta, for example, in Saskatchewan, they are livid. They are angry uh, beyond all belief. The polls have gone completely negative on the Liberal Party. Uh, they're certainly going to lose, I think, just about every seat that they hold in, uh, in Saskatchewan and, and Alberta. You know, in Ontario, there's a lot of anger over the job losses in the manufacturing sector. And then a rough majority, a clear majority, bare majority of provinces now no longer support the carbon tax. So there's been... There's been a lot of uh, uh, a bumpiness in his uh, t- uh, two, three years in office, and he's going to lose votes. Um, so I think he'll either have a bare majority in fall 19, or even more likely he will, may be returned to office with a minority government supported by the NDP in Ottawa. Well, Professor Lee, thank you so much for your uh, outlook and uh, wish you all the best over, what, into this new year, and we'll talk again yeah. soon. Okay, thanks very much, and it's always a pleasure speaking with you.